Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, January 21st, 2018. The share IDs for Friday, January 19th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 10936. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 10938. This morning, A Vision for You presents, Does It Have to Be God? Powerless. In step one, we find complete despair, frustration, and bewilderment. The mental obsession condemns us to pick up that first bite when we don't want to. And the phenomena of craving condemns us to continue eating once we start. We have no choice. We're in the vicious cycle again and again and again. Our efforts, energy, and desire have not delivered the hoped-for results. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. In step two, we are given the solution. Our situation is not hopeless. Far from it. There is hope, but that hope lies outside ourselves. As the AA Big Book says, we had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. But where and how are we to find that power? In step two, we begin that search, an undertaking that will lead us through the remainder of the 12 steps. Joining us this morning is Patrick B., a recovered compulsive overeater from Minnesota. You may remember Patrick as our Friday night keynote at our recent Vision for You convention. Patrick is devoted to the 12-step way of life and to carrying this message of recovery. Welcome to the line, Patrick. Thank you, Leah. Can everybody hear me? Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, good. Um, First of all, I want to express my gratitude to Leah for the invitation to speak on this line. I had a um, a transformative experience coming to the con- convention, um, and and um, I just I, I really appreciate what a vision for you does for the Overeaters Anonymous community, and I so I just want to express my gratitude. I also want to express my gratitude to my higher power which I found in the fellowships of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous, um, and which I firmly believe found me long before I um, came to believe. Um, my experience with Step 2 has, it, 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 I think it's important for me first to to um, give you a little bit of my personal history with, with um, spirituality, religion, belief in a power greater than myself, I was raised in an alcoholic home, um, a very religious alcoholic home. And um, the way I describe my upbringing in that alcoholic home is that I was witness to and victim of things that no child should be witness to or victim of. Um, And yet I was being consistently um, given a message that, um, you know, religion and 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 um, God were were very important, and so I lived in this constant sort of conflict of the actions of the people that I loved not uh, matching what was coming out of their mouth. And very early on, I developed an affinity for 
treating that internal condition. And I believe that's where my compulsive overeating started. Um, I am a, I'm a, I'm a kid who would build a tower of a chair, a box, two books, a pot, a pan, stand on top of that to get to the top shelf in the cupboard to get to the bag of chocolate chips that I knew my mother had stashed there. And she had stashed them there because she'd had experience with leaving them in a drawer and me eating them all already. And I was only three or four years old when these things were happening. So, um, you know, my experience with, with, with altering my internal dialogue began with food. Um, I, uh, I continue, you know, I, I, I had sort of a traditional upbringing in the Catholic Church. I became an altar boy as soon as I was, um, you know, age-wise was, was labeled. Um, that, that experience was unremarkable. Um, you know, I, I sort of participated. I had, um, I, I went to a Catholic school, so I had nuns teaching me, nuns who were, um, it turns out, uh, my inventory revealed after I wrote about it that they just weren't very good classroom managers, so they would resort to capital punishment. So I was being hit in the name of God um, regularly. I would I would act out in school and be hit by the nuns. I would go home and, and be hit for little or no reason just because alcoholism was present in my home. So um, as I grew up and, and, and began drinking at 13 and, and continued to overeat, um, I separated from God at about 13 or 14 years old. Um, any notion that I might have had as a child, any innocent belief in something greater than myself, and I had had many moments in church where I, where I did believe. I did, I did believe that there was something greater than me. I, I didn't really buy into the whole message that I was be, being given, but um, I, I had some sense. I, I refer to Bill's walk into the cathedral when he was about to go to war, and, and I think I had experiences similar to Bill. I can identify with Bill Wilson in, in his story when, when, when he talks about walking into the Winchester Cathedral, and, and, and um, you know, I was very lonely and again turned to alcohol. We landed in England. I visited Winchester Cathedral, much moved. I wandered outside, um, much moved. Uh, you know, I, I can say that it, there were times in, in, in my path that I wasn't much moved, but what I was experiencing from the people who were teaching me was, was so different than what I was told to believe that I just couldn't, I couldn't match the two. So as soon as I began to have the ability to um, have independent thought and some um, autonomy from my home, which was very early for me. I went to work. I started um, actively seeking a way out of my home when I was 13 years old. And, and, and not so much out of my home on a physical sense. I, I still slept there, but I, began, I got a paper route very early in my life so I could be self-supporting. Um, and I, and I had a job by the time I was 14 years old. And so I would have my own money so I could, part of the reason as I look back was also so I could eat the way I wanted to eat and, and use drugs and alcohol the way I wanted to use drugs and alcohol. Um, but very, very quickly, um, almost as soon as I was able, I, I was, um, after sixth grade, I, I was no longer going to private schools because my father's alcoholism had begun to dominate the, the finances of the family and it was no longer 
an option. So I, I, I went to public school. And as soon as I was out of that sort of hyper-religious um, environment, I began to condemn any idea of spirituality um, in, my, in my heart and in my mind. Um, if you, as a matter of fact, if you brought up the idea that there was something, you were probably going to have a pretty angry kid on your hand. Um, and I was a handful. I was out of school by the time I was 15. Um, and, and drinking had pretty much taken over my life. I refer to drinking a fair amount in my story, as I said at the convention, because it informs my overeating um, story as well. It, it was a combo package for me. I, I would go on these alcohol and drug benders, and then uh, I would wake up feeling like crap, and I would overeat to manage that condition. So um, although my weight wasn't, I was always a big kid. I was always overweight, um, but I wasn't, you know, morbidly obese. Um, that came later in, 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 in my story. So, you know, my willingness to, to, to believe in something greater than myself when I came to recovery in December of 2003 was zero. Um, as a matter of fact, we were going to have a problem if you brought it up, um, and I'm grateful to the men who, who, who first began to assist me into the, into the 12 steps and into the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and into the, to the, to the, to the other literature that they didn't um, enforce any particular brand um, on me, that, that they were very careful to follow the instructions that are laid out in the book, that it got to be um, a power of my choosing. Um, because I, I would, I very specifically asked them to not even use the term God. Um, and that's why I titled my story, Does It Have to Be God? And, and I'm here to, to report to you that in my, in my experience, it does not have to be God, but it has to be something greater than you. Um, and, and I am forever grateful to the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous and in particular one individual whose name escapes me now, who stood hard on the words as we understand them, him. Because if, if not for that, you would have a different speaker today. I'm, I am utterly convinced that if, if that openness um, that, that is expressed in, in We Agnostics, where, where it talks about, um, we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him to us, the realm of the spirit. You know, the realm of the spirit is something that I can identify with. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. And that's in the bottom of page 46 in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it, it's, it's language like that that saved my life, without a doubt. And forgive me because I get emotional. But without a doubt, without that sort of language in this book and in, 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 the, in, the, in what was being communicated by the people who were trying to help me at the time, you'll have a, you'd have a different speaker today. Um, I had a mustard seed of willingness born out of utter desperation. I'm a man who took alcoholism to the bitter end, um, having heart attacks during DTs, walking out of hospitals and into liquor stores. Um, and compulsively overeating at the same time. I mean, I had it all going on. Um, it, it, my, my, my walk into the true um, experience with, with recovery, I would say, was, was sort of has been broken into, into kind of two, two factors. One is the more recent 
experience in Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I believe that OA um, was, is an evolution of my um, coming to believe. Um, I believe that my, my, my walk to, to th from 385 pounds down to now 225 pounds has been born out of um, a second surrender uh, that happened as, a, as an active participating member of Alcoholics Anonymous who thought he had a spiritual life. I, I really seriously believe that I had a spiritual life as I was compulsively overeating as a, as a sober member of a 12-step of a fellowship. So it's, 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 um, this is just very important subject to me because it's, it's something that I think a lot of people upon entry into our fellowships, my experience has been with people I sponsor both in, in both fellowships, has been that this can be a, 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 a significant sticking point. And, and the language in our big book is very clear that it doesn't need to be. There is no, there is no quibble with any sort of, of language other than God. Um, as a matter of fact, in, the, in, 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 in how it works, um, they, they lay it out for us in the, in the third step prayer we found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person, um, but it is better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. The wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we expressed the idea, voicing it without reservation. So if someone on the phone has, has, has struggles here, I'm here to report to you that it, is no, it, it need not be um, a barrier to significant, fantastic, fulfilling, meaningful recovery because that's the nature of my recovery today. It is significant, it is meaningful, it is fulfilling. Um, I experience the gifts of it on a regular basis. I just spent um, 10 days in Los Angeles with, with family members over the holidays um, and family members who some 14 years ago in the midst of my drinking would not speak to me. Um, there is no greater evidence of, of God or, or a higher power working in my life than the relationships that I have in my life today. And I'm a firm believer that, that this happens in the world. Recovery is a 23-hour-a-day effort. We spend one day in the rooms, I think, under the grace and very protected. Maybe we spend an hour and a half. Maybe we have a meditation practice. Maybe we spend a couple of day, hours a day um, really involved in our, in our practice of spirituality or a belief in or uh, of, of God or a higher power. But I really believe that we have to walk the walk in, in life. Um, and for me, that's where coming to believe in a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity has shown up. There is sanity in my relationships. They are no longer contentious. They are no longer condemning. They are no longer anger-filled and hurtful. They are um, all the opposites of that. They are fulfilling and meaningful and wonderful and full of love. And, and do we have our spats? Yes, but those are cleaned up um, pretty quickly as they are in, in, in any, you know, sort of spiritually fit family. Um, I think one of, the, one of the, the things that has really helped me it really helped me at the beginning of my recovery in 2003 and, and helped me again in, in the summer of 2015. And so just to give you a little history on, on how I had to come to believe larger, bigger, um, more, um, 
in the summer of 2015, I, after five years or six years after a, an open heart surgery, a uh, triple bypass, I had put on 150 pounds. I had a bypass at five years sober due to the damage I'd done to my heart with drinking, and um, I needed a triple bypass at five years sober. And, and I can clearly remember coming out of that, the, into the recovery from that bypass um, almost immediately thinking, well, now I can pretty much eat, eat what I want. Um, and six years later in the summer of 2015, I found myself um, with a vicious case of type 2 diabetes that was uh, creating peripheral neuropathy in my hands and feet. I am still dealing with a pretty serious foot issue. It's ongoing um, as a result of that. I was 385 pounds. I was miserable. Um, I couldn't, I could barely take care of myself. But I would get to a podium in Alcoholics Anonymous and report to you that I was a spiritual man. And, and I lived in that dichotomy and in that conflict and in that basically dishonesty and, and lie for years and years um, while I continued to put on weight. In the summer of 2015, I had an experience at the um, International Alcoholics Anonymous Convention, um, and 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 this is this speaks to a point that I really want to emphasize here. So many people come to twelve-step recovery thinking, believing that they have to find God, and I would propose to you, and I get emotional here again. I I propose to you that God found me long, long, long before I was willing to believe that the grace and the power that I needed was always available to me. It just took me being willing. That mustard seed of willingness that they talk about in the literature of Alcoholics Anonymous, that just needed to sprout. Um, because if it, it, as I look at my path, there's no earthly reason I, I should be on this call this morning. There's no earthly reason that I should, should have been able to spend the holidays with my family. I, based on my behavior, based on the evidence in my life, based on what doctors and, and other people could report to you about how I've showed up in my life, uh, you know, I shouldn't be here. Um, so there's no greater evidence to me than just the breath in my lungs that God exists. Um, and, and, but I couldn't get there. I, I, I just, I could not get there. What I found out when I came to Overeaters Anonymous when I when that second surrender happened when was that I had given my drinking to God and I had taken and 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 I had you know I had come to believe that God could restore me to sanity in the area of alcoholic drinking but I had not come to believe that he could restore me to sanity in in other areas of my life I needed more work I was living on an experience that I'd had years before with the steps. I had not renewed my belief. I had very little prayer and meditative life. The truth is, is I was not practicing these principles in all my affairs. And that is critical to continually coming to believe because in my experience, the disease of alcoholism chips away at my willingness to believe. My, my, you know, restless, irritable, and discontent will show up. The spiritual malady that's described on page 52 of We Agnostics, were we having trouble with personal relationships? Were we, were we couldn't control our emotional nature? How much of that is present in your life today is a question that, that my sponsor would ask me on a regular basis. Um, 
you know, am I a prey to misery and depression? He would ask me that. You know, how's it going at work? Are, are, are you satisfied with what you do for a living? Is it fulfilling to you? Do you feel useful? Do you have purpose? Are you afraid a lot? He would ask me these questions based on that paragraph on page 52 in We Agnostics. And, and you know, I would basically what I did for a long time was, was lie about that. Um, I would report because I had this notion that coming, that, that I had to look good. And, and what I've learned in the two years that I've spent in, in the fellowship of, o, of Overeaters Anonymous is that it's not about looking good, although, you know, losing weight has helped me do that on the outside. I look better. It's about being good. It's about how I show up. It's about having fidelity in my practice with step one, with step two, with all 12 steps, not just um, a few of them. So... You know, here I am at at, at 11 years sober, um, and and this paragraph on page 53 says it all for me in 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 um, in, in we agnostics. When we became alcoholics, crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. I was undergoing a self-imposed crisis. I had put on 150 pounds, claiming recovery. We had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? And so I, I, I committed to, to Overeaters Anonymous, and I got a sponsor at a local meeting here in Minneapolis, and, and I began to, you know, I got a food plan. I got a nutritionist. I began to, uh, I began to, um, to get those things in order, and then we began working the steps, and as as we you know it was obvious that i was powerless i was fine with that idea i you know i had i had surrendered to the idea that i could no longer control what i put in my mouth and when i put um sugar or 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 things other items in my mouth that i had the physical allergy and that i couldn't control how much i was going to eat i was fine with that but then we came to came to believe step 2 and in in the in the fall of 2015 when i was when i was began to work this step with my OA sponsor, I was asked the question, Patrick, do you believe? And, I, and of course I reported to her yes. But the truth was the evidence in my life indicated that that wasn't true. And, and, and that was gracefully pointed out to me, um, not so kindly, but gracefully, as gracefully as it could be, that I hadn't fearlessly faced the proposition that God was everything because this, the, there were aspects of my life that I wasn't willing to move to step three and turn over. Um, and, and a lot of that was outside of the food. It wasn't just eating. Eating, again, was my solution to my unmanageability. And the unmanageability in my life, the second half of step one, was showing up in my need to control, my need to not be fearful, my need to not experience life as I experienced it, which you know, I, I would try anything other than um, spiritual living to do that. And, and that had manifested itself in my recovery. The first four or five years of my recovery in, in, in Alcoholics Anonymous was pretty good. I'm here to report to you that many great things happened in my whole thing. I don't want to paint a picture here that, that, that you know, I hadn't come to believe in some sense, but it needed to grow. And I think the the, the 
the easy, the, the thing that happened to me with step two is that, well, yes, I came to believe, and I just left it there. And what I didn't realize, and, and what I think is important for me, is, is that I needed to continue to come to believe, that I need to reinforce that um, all of the time. So as I progressed through the steps in, in Overeaters Anonymous with my sponsor, what, helped, what really helped was steps four and five really helped me see the areas in which I was blocked from a belief in God or, or a higher power. And, it, and, and the other thing that it, that, it, that it really brought up was that I still had some objections just to the term God, to that actual word God, not to the idea of a God of my understanding or, or, or a belief in a higher power. I was okay with that. But the term God, because it had been used pejoratively in my life, was something that I objected to. And so I had to drill down on that in step four. I really had to, to my, my first resentment on my fourth step in, in Overeaters Anonymous was God. Um, and, 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 and I'm really grateful that I was able to work through that. Um, Clearing away my selfishness and my fear and my dishonesty about my internal condition um, as a, as a so-called, you know, um, member of Alcoholics Anonymous of, you know, I had this image that I was trying to protect. I was trying to protect my image as the, the speaker and the guru and the, and the go-to guy and the, you know, send me all the tough cases and, and that guy. I was trying to protect that image. Um, when I let that slip away and just sat there as a broken man in recovery, hurting um, and, 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 and in desperate physical condition again, yet again, right? I'm, I'm yet again up against substance abuse food in my case. In, in this case, it was alcohol previously, but it was food this time, was driving a, 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 you know, a critical health condition. Um, I had to inventory my mistakes there, and my mistake was is that I hadn't stayed open-minded that God was everything, as it says in, in, the, in the passage I just read, that God is everything in my life, that it has to be everything. Um, and, and so it was working the rest of the steps and continues to be working the rest of the steps and having experiences with those steps that, that brings me back to step two. One of the mentors I have, in, in, um, and I've been very fortunate in my past to, to, to have heroes and to have mentors in, in recovery, and, and there, are, there are many of them who are you know, still in my life and, and have, have just marveled at, at my sponsor in AA, for one, is, is marvels at what we do here. He's a He's a he's he's a an aficionado of the big book, and he thinks it's just spectacular that that what we do in Overeaters Anonymous and in the Vision for You is 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 honoring that text, and 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 we're that we're actually applying that text to our recoveries on a daily basis because he 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 understands that that you know we have to do this thing that can trip us up every day. We got to walk the tiger, so to speak, as I first heard in Overeaters Anonymous, we have to eat. And he said, I can't imagine having to participate in the activity that's created the, the trouble. You guys must be really doing the deal. He just has a lot of admiration for what, what, what he sees in Overeaters Anonymous. Um, and, and so 
working the rest of the steps in Overeaters Anonymous is what continues to support my belief in God. Um, and, and there was particularly um, a couple of things, a couple of amends. And this is a bit of a difficult subject for me to discuss, but I'm going to do it here because I think it's so critical. That man that threw me down the steps on a regular basis, that man who would beat me in the name of God, um, that man who was viciously alcoholic, um, I, I had one version of him in my head, and it was, you know, that guy that I just described. And and what I found out is, as I worked, you know, I had come to some understanding that he was a sick man as a member of AA. I had, but that's as far as I was willing to go. And if, if, if there's no greater example of coming to believe um, in a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity than what happened to me with 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 how I I see my father today. My path in AA had brought me to a place of okay, I'm willing to pray for him and I'm willing to be neutral on it. But I had never gotten to a place of, of complete forgiveness. Um, and that was a big thing for me. And, and this is, it, it's interesting to me how working the, the rest of the steps supports, you know, we go frontward, we go backward. There, there, somewhere in, 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 as Bill sees it, I, there's a quote that we can start anywhere in the steps. Now, I recommend starting at the beginning, but start anywhere. Um, if you're struggling with a belief in a power greater than yourself, start with which makes sense. You know, if you need to start to pray, pray. If, 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 if it needs to start with an admission of your unmanageability, do that. Um, there are very specific directions in the big book, and I recommend starting at the beginning. With my sponsees, that's what I do. But I'm also big on get them in the door and, and let's hook into whatever we can to get people to begin to entertain the idea that they're not the center of the universe, that 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 <laughs> that you know what they've been doing with their life might might need to be be examined in some way. And so, when I got to my ninth step amends and Overeaters Anonymous, it, it was evident that there was more work to do around this this my father. Um, and so I began to do that work. I began to pray, pray a prayer that will remain private to me, but um, rest assured it's a prayer of, of, of love and forgiveness. And it was recommended to me that I begin to delve into my father's life a little deeper. So I began to, now my father would have been a considerably, he would have been over 100 years old as I speak this. So this is, this is you know, 18 months ago, so he would have been like 99. So a, a lot of his friends aren't around just because of, of the age thing. But, but I did have my oldest brother who um, had, you know, he's 11 years older than I am and had experienced my father for a much longer time. My father was dead by the time I was 23 years old. So the truth is, is I didn't really have time to get to know him because because of the illness, because alcoholism dominated our life and, and compulsive overeating dominated my life. And, and, and you know, we had this, this and, and when I refer to alcoholism, I'm not referring to drinking. I'm referring to the spiritual malady. I want to be clear about that. Um, drinking was the manifestation of it in my home. But, but when I say alcoholism, I mean the spiritual malady that affected my family. Um, and so, as I began to delve into the history of my father, I began to get to know him better. And he wasn't just the guy who, 
got drunk and and put his hands on me. What I found out was is that he was both. You know, I I I I knew where he was born. He was born in northern Minnesota in nineteen in nineteen ten, and and he was he had a hard scrabble life. He you know he was out literally um, carrying water to the home from the from the very clean lake superior at the time. Um, he 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 had a hard hard upbringing you know they they went to school in a little two-room schoolhouse and they were out of there at noon to go to work in their homes because they needed to be self-sufficient in their families it was very difficult uh it was not easy he was um a water um a water boy on on a uh, road building crew so he would spend hours with with two mules and and canvas water bags bringing water to the men you know and he was 10 years old when he was doing that um then then he decided to get out of that little town and, and go to college after he finished high school and a little thing called um you know world war broke out and so his life got hijacked by the military um and and i i, I it, it, you know his life got hijacked by circumstances i shouldn't say it got hijacked by the military i think the military did him a lot of good but it also being a member of the military caused great harm he was a World War II veteran who, whose singular desire was to come home from, from that war and have a family, and he did that. But there was this, this you know, medical predisposition he had, the allergy, the physical allergy to alcohol that was slowly advancing in his life, and he didn't understand it. And he was a man who was raised with, with, with discipline. He was a man who believed in... He was fairly rigid, and as the alcoholism incre increased in his, he, he couldn't understand it, and he couldn't find his way to recovery. So what delving into the history did for my belief in a power greater than myself was bring me to a place of understanding that my father was much more than the man who put his hands on me, and that cleared my way to a deeper understanding with God in this way. I did my amend at his, at his graveside. Forgive me. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I knew my father in a whole piece. I knew the whole continuum of his life. I didn't just see what had happened to me. And it's right there. In that amend, that step two was solidified and firmly, I, the presence of God was with me in that moment. It's always been with me, but I was with it. I was connected to it. It was, I had a deep sense that God was there with us because he had brought that forgiveness into him. And I know that his, my father never intended to end up being the man that he was. Alcoholism brought him there. The illness brought him there. He was a good man. He had many, many facets. He didn't just have one. So to sort of, you know, bound all this together, I know I've been all over the place, but this is sort of a big subject for me. In order to come to believe to be restored to sanity, I had to continue to move. I had to continue to be, to, to ask for the willingness to work all of the steps. Um, 
we, we, there, there's something on the bottom of page 53 that I've always appreciated in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the, confession, with the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. You know, I, here I am as a member of AA, <clears throat> 385 pounds, dying of type 2 diabetes with a repaired heart, and I, I'm claiming that I believe in God, but I couldn't duck the issue of what I saw in the mirror. I just couldn't duck it. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. I thought I had gotten there. I really did. I believed that I had, had come to believe, but the truth of my life indicated otherwise. The outline and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirit. Friendly hand had stretched out in welcome. I had been welcomed into the fellowship of AA and into the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous as well. We were grateful that reason had brought us so far but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. I hadn't fully invested my willingness to believe in God. And so per my question and per my title, per my, um, my, my, uh, my, my subject matter for this, for this talk, does it have to be God? I can, I can report to you that no, it doesn't. But that in my life and in my recovery and in my path of the steps, it has become God. And it's not the God that I was raised with. It's not the, the God of, of the religion that I was raised in, although there are many aspects of that God that exist in my belief um, of God as I understand it. I have taken what works, and I have set aside what didn't, and I have built a belief system and a faith and a, and a, and a very specific um, God of my understanding that, that continues to inform and, and, and move me towards more loving, more tolerant, more understanding, more meaningful, more fulfilling recovery on a daily basis. Is it perfect? No. Um, but, you know, I have stepped ashore, I think, and, and I, my, my feet are firmly rooted on, on a foundation that God is everything in my life. Um, and I think the evidence speaks to that. I, I, uh, I had this experience over the, over the past holiday season of being connected to all the members of my extended family. All of my, I have a deceased brother, a brother who died in my arms of alcoholism at, when I was seven years sober. I was able to spend Thanksgiving with, with his children and my grandnieces and nephews. Um, and, and I was able to perform a wedding ceremony for one of my nephews. Um, I, I was able to, I had a, a shoulder surgery in early December, so I had the entire month of December off. So I, I flew out to LA um, on my nephew's dime, my other nephew from my oldest brother. Um, and I, if this is confusing, um, you know, I apologize. But, but just rest assured that I, I spent extensive amounts of time over the holiday season with extended members of my family with not one moment of, of vitriol, with not one moment of contention, with not one moment of condemnation, with not one moment of argument, with, with nothing but enjoyment and kindness and respect and love happening all over my family. Now, the people that I'm referring to have always been understanding and loving and respectful. It's me that had to come around. And I don't think that there's any greater evidence in my life of coming to believe in a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity than that. 
um, the insanity of my life had to occur as a member of a recovery fellowship um, in order for me to, to come to believe again, to, to deepen that belief and to really formulate um, a, a, a solid um, idea in my life of what God is. Um, and and I, I'll just, I think I'll close my talk with, with, um, with the end of, of We Agnostics in Chapter 2, which is where Chapter 4 of, of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, where it says, what is this but a miracle of healing? Yet its elements are simple. Circumstances made him willing to believe. He humbly offered himself to his maker, and then he knew. I offered myself to my maker at that gravesite of my father's. That's what happened. I was doing an amend, and step two happened. Um, some of us grow into it more slowly. That was certainly the case for me. But he has come to all who has honestly sought him. You know, I have fumbled and, 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 and crawled on ground glass and stumbled and bumped my head in recovery. But I give myself a lot of credit for one thing. I have continued to seek. I am a persistent, stubborn human being who has continued to believe that there is something better than the way I was living. And I believe that that's what has carried me, is that sense, that deep <clears throat> internal voice that says there's something better for you. And, and then it closes with this, with this statement, and, and there's nothing better for me to close a talk with than this. When we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. Um, I want to thank you all for taking um, some time out of, out of your morning this morning to, uh, to listen to, to my talk on step two. And, and, you know, forgive me if I bounced around, but, but this is, a, this is a, a subject that is near and dear to my heart. And, and um, I, it, it's critical to ongoing recovery for all of us. And, you know, if you've had a recent experience with step two, keep moving. But if you haven't renewed your experience with step two, I would, I would, I would say that, that, that for me, my experience was that getting back into this and looking at a larger picture had many, many great benefits. So um, thank you all, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to take some questions if, if that's where we're headed next. Thank you so much, Patrick, for sharing your experience and your heart with us today on the line so very beautiful and touching patrick's contact information will be offered at the conclusion of the recording so stay tuned for that and we'll now have an opportunity to pose questions to our speaker you can do so by pressing star one to unmute announce yourself by first name and first letter of your last name please mary lee r from boston katie gina r Carolyn M. Okay. <laughs> there are 350 people on the line. Linda so <laughs> from Connecticut. I, I uh, appreciate all the people that are interested. Okay, let's. Uh, this is who I have. I have Katie G, Gina R, Linda D. I missed many. Who did I miss? Marilyn S. H. Morgan. Gladys M. Did I hear Carolyn S.H.? Yes. Okay, got it. Mary Lee R. Mary Lee R. Got you. Who else did I miss? Anne Marie M. Anne Marie, that's it. Stacy T. Gladys F. 
Did you hear me? Mindy R. I got Linda T. Who asked did I hear them? Gladys F. There you go, Gladys. Thanks for your patience with me. Okay, that's a great list. Let's start off. We're going to KDG, Gina R., Linda D., that's the initial trio. KDG, go ahead. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Patrick. Thank you for your incredible service so much. Um, you've offered so much food for thought. My exact question today is um, somebody who's new to this line I was speaking with on Friday and indicated that they were really wanting to work with a sponsor who had and felt limited by their current sponsor because they didn't have the exact same religious beliefs. And I gave the best answer that I thought um, out of the big book to continue to welcome her to come. I've never worked, I've worked with a lot of sponsors who don't share my uh, beliefs. Anyway, um, and I just uh, thought based on your eloquent talk today that you might uh, elaborate on, on how you might address that, welcoming someone into the community who is thinking that they really need someone with the same religious background in order to grow spiritually. And thank you. Well, I, I would I would I would ask them um, <clears throat> a pointed question. You know, having arrived at this point in their life where they're coming into the fellowship, how is what they've what they've previously believed worked for them? I mean, they just showed up in OA, and and nobody does that on a voluntary basis. And I know that that's sort of a a pushy question, but I am I am one that is very inclined to confront the prejudices that alcoholism brings with it and, and, and the spiritual malady, again, over, you know, compulsive overeating, the spiritual piece of this. I would ask her if, if, if that's such a need, you know, based on, on your experience with what, what you believed, do you th is, it, is it possible that opening your mind to um, the possibility that other people's beliefs may be helpful to you as well um, might help you move through this. I, I I would just I would honestly I you know I'm sort of a hammer in this deal and 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 I see that as a nail that I would take a pretty good um a pretty good whack at because I think that's probably a very limiting thing for her. Um, you know, especially on a phone meeting where where finding someone of a of a similar belief that is able to sponsor. Um, might be a might be a tricky thing. I, it, it it appears to me to be a bit of a false barrier. Um, you know, it it, it it and and I know that you probably did this, but I would say we found that God not does not make too hard terms with those who seek Him. To us, the realm of the Spirit is broad, roomy, all inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding. She's being exclusive and forbidding to the idea that someone with a different belief system can help her, and I would just point that out. And let her sit with that. It may, you know, she might not like it. it. It might disturb her. You know, the book's very clear in working with others that we are here to disturb that, that we are here to disturb them on the subject. Um, and so, you know, as gently and as lovingly and as tolerantly as you can, confront that. Because that, 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 that to me, that's a, that's a real um, significant way for her to put up um, sort of a, a barrier to moving on. I hope that's helpful, Katie. Hello? Yep, gotcha. Thank you, 
Thank you, Katie G, for the question. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you. Gina R., your turn. Good morning, Leah, and thank you so much. This is Gina R. in Green Valley, Arizona. And Patrick, your um, story um, had very many similar threads to mine. And my question this morning is um, about other relationships around you that might be a little more um, personal or um, interactive besides the extended family. And if you're experiencing same kind of freedom that you had there. What I'm noticing with my recovery, um, and I'm almost about two years into the OA thing as well, and also having the experience with AA, is the dimension and the depth of um, those interactions, while for the most part are really, really good, but every once in a while the wheels come off the bus, and um, I don't know, maybe I, I might be a, a prime candidate for uh, don't look into Al-Anon for a while, but if you could address that, that would be helpful. Well, I, I, I think it's, it's you know, I don't think there's any more evidence of God working in my life than, than when the wheels do come off the bus, my willingness to look at that. I think the wheels coming off the bus are very, as you put it, very fortunate circumstances because it indicates where work needs to be done. It is a pointer. I think the problem that happens is that we judge it. We judge that. This shouldn't be happening. I have an expectation that my life should not have this difficulty in it. Difficulty arises to point me to a further need for more work. Um, and, and, and typically for me, Step two can, can you know, if, if, if I look, okay, I'll turn my life over to this. Um, what's the inventory on this piece? I've reported that to someone. There's an instruction in step six that says, if I still cling to something I won't let go, we ask God to be help us to be willing. What, what am I willing to look at? And it sounds to me like it's present for you because you just mentioned that maybe Al-Anon's a piece, right? Um, you know, I am I am a ad hoc member of, of an Al-Anon group here. I go once a month. I've worked the steps in Al-Anon previously in my recovery. I'm not an active member, but I I, I keep I keep a um, I, I keep close to some very um, spiritually fit Al-Anon members because it does show up in my life. The, the wheels will come off occasionally um, in my relationships with other people, um, particularly. I'm immersed in people who are in recovery and people who are in recovery are inherently damaged in some way. And, and so I need to, to, you know, if I'm going to remain loving and tolerant and, and, and kind and compassionate and understanding of people, I need to be willing to look at what's tripping me up. You know, the book says when I am disturbed, it's, it's, it's something, you know, inside of me in, in you know, the, the famous uh, acceptance uh, passage. Um, and so I, I think, Gina, that, that the, 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 the thing to do here is to not pass judgment on the fact that the wheels occasionally come off the bus. And I don't know that that, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's what you're doing, but, but so often the belief system, the belief system that I have, the consistent alcoholic belief system that I have is that it's supposed to be all smooth. And the truth is, is 
Bill's line about it always being darkest before the dawn has always been true in my life. The most difficult circumstances in my life has always led to light as long as I've been willing to move to the light. So I think these, these, these opportunities that have presented themselves in your life of being willing to look at this and say, okay, what are my mistakes here? Um, you know, am I accountable to someone about this? Um, you know, and, and I really do believe that this is where having a, a solid step 10, 11, and 12 practice is critical as well. We have to be doing inventory on a regular basis. You know, that line in there, it says, you know, when these crop up, um, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, when these crop up, it's not if, it's when. They're going to crop up. Um, and so the, the question is, is how do I respond um, when they do, and am I willing to take it? But yeah, life's not going to be perfect. I there are relationships in my life in which um, I, I have some uh, some some struggles. I'm also the, the and just to wrap up the answer here. The other thing that I've that I've been aware of is that when I was spiritually ill, I invited a lot of relationships into my life that just aren't productive. And what I've realized is is that in recovery, as a spiritual man, I have I have the right to invite those relationships out as well. And I don't mean in a pejorative or mean or cruel way. I just mean that if a relationship isn't productive for both individuals in some way, if there's not a, a respectful, kind, loving exchange, why am I in the relationship? What's that about? If I'm willing to be there and the other individual can't get there, sometimes very difficult decisions. I've had friends in AA. I've had uh, sponsees. I've had, uh, I, there's a family member that I've had to, 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 to distance myself from significantly just because I'm no longer in, in, in willing to invite that into my life. I don't consider myself stuck with anything. Um, I consider myself a free man. And, and as that is, that the, now that doesn't mean that I can just pop in and out of people's lives, you know, with, with, uh, with, with no consequence. Um, it, it just means that if I've made a committed effort to have a respectful, loving relationship with someone, and and they're not, they're, it, it's not happening, then and then it's okay for me to take a walk, so to speak. So I hope that was helpful. It was. Thank you. Thanks, Gina. Linda D. Star one to unmute. Hello? Yum. We're all here. Patrick. Linda D. Star one. All right, we'll come back to Linda D. Carolyn S. H. Yes, hi. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Patrick. Um Good morning. Uh, Carolyn S. H. in Massachusetts recovered. Um thank you so much. Um I'll get right to my question, which is um, I, I really heard and loved the message of continually expanding and um, opening, reopening the mind into um, a bigger understanding of God, quote, God, and step two. And do you have a current practice, like a daily practice of doing that now? And I will throw in a, a quick reason I'm asking is I feel like I have committed to that myself, and and at the same time, I feel like sometimes I don't know how to do it, you know. Um, I find myself in, in the same old thinking patterns and um, 
falling backwards, if you will, into pejorative beliefs of God and um, how to continually let my expand my my understanding of my higher power expand. Well, I, yeah, I do have a current practice, and and it it there's a daily thing that I do, and and I'll describe that in a moment, and then there's sort of a, a larger view too. Um, the first thing is, is I have a very set disciplined time um, schedule in the morning for myself. Um, and, and that looks like this. I get up at 4.45 every morning. And I know that's early. Um, but it, it's, you know, there, there are probably people on this phone that get up a lot earlier than that. Um, and, and so I take some time to get it together a little bit. You know, I splash some water on my face. Sometimes I take a shower. It depends on what my schedule looks like post um, spiritual discipline but then um, I belong to um, um, I'm a member of OA house so I have a reading and writing assignment that I do on a daily basis um, and, and that that's sort of the beginning of my spiritual practice so I do a little bit of reading I do my writing um, and then I have uh, my sponsor call I call my sponsor at, at 5:45 a.m. and then I take two calls from sponsees one at six and one at six fifteen, and then at six thirty, when those are done, I do a um, a meditation. Now, um, you know, initially when I came into to, to Alcoholics Anonymous, it was recommended that I that I that I use a timer to meditate, and I have sought out a lot of teaching around meditation, and and what I've what I've come to is just seek silence, um, seek the silence, sit. Um, you know, if the phone rings, don't answer it. It's just part of the meditation. Don't don't be disturbed by it. Um, I have a, a little uh, mantra that I work with, and it is it's this: it's allow everything to be as it is. Um, it's and, and part of that is accepting myself as I am. Um, and if I have a bad day, and I you know, like I said, I've 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 had days where it feels like I'm crawling on ground glass. And I had a couple just this week at work that were that were difficult, but I came back. It didn't shake my my belief in God. Um, it, it's just you know I, I I I have human tendencies. It turns out I am a human being. I have human tendencies. These things show up for a reason. I'm never going to be perfect. That being said, what am I willing to work to today? And I had I had to make a couple amends of of, of amends at work this week um, for some things that I dropped the ball on, and and you know so I had to, I, I did that. Um, and then I'm able to move on. I, the, the, you know, you said something interesting there that caught me. You're falling backward. I would say that if you're aware of this, you're falling forward. Um, and that's really all we can do is continue to seek God's will. What, you know, I, I have a simple prayer that I end all of my practice with. And, and it's been something that I've said every day since, I've, since my, my um, entry into Overeaters Anonymous. And it is simply, simply this. Let me be willing to seek your will. And, and that's the prayer. Let me be willing to seek your will. That's the prayer that I conclude my practice with. But I do have a very, and, and so I have this, you know, couple hour window in the morning where it's really a spiritual practice. Now, it doesn't need to be that long. I take my time with stuff. I don't have to be to work here until 8 o'clock in the morning. So, um, you know, when I get up at 445, I've got three hours to sort of, to, to sort of do this for, for myself. It doesn't necessarily need to look like that for anyone else. But then I have a, a, the other, the second piece of this is 
is one of the things that that has occurred to me is is it's my alcoholism demands that I look for the negative and the and the and the um, you know what's wrong with everything. Well, this is wrong with that. That's wrong with this. This is wrong with that. You know, our current political discourse, our our current just general discourse in 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 how we interact with with each other can be can be pretty pejorative and negative. Um, what I try to do each day is look for um, the gift. What is, God's going to give me at least one gift every day, and, and what I began to notice is he gives me a million gifts every day. Every breath I take is a gift. Um, and if I, can, if I can remember that, and so what I guess I'm speaking to is intentional gratitude, right? Intentional gratitude. And you know what? There are days when it feels forced. But I do, I continue to force it. I continue to, be, to have intentional gratitude. And, and that intentional gratitude really helps me stay connected to this, to the, to the God of my understanding. So uh, I don't know if, um, if that helps you with your question, but, but that's, that's, I do have a disciplines um, practice each day, and that has really, really helped me. Um, and by the way, there's room for that to evolve or, or change. It's not rigid in any way. Um, you know, all of the meditation teachers that I've had and all the spiritual people that I've had um, in my life have, have warned me against rigidity. Rigidity in a practice is something that can really limit your experience with the practice. So let it be open to evolving and changing. Um, just make sure you're committed to a practice. Thank That's you. All I have. Thank you so much. Thank you're you, welcome. Carolyn S.H. And we'll go to Mary Lee R., followed by Anne Marie M., Stacy T and Gladys F. Mary Lee, your turn. Good morning, Patrick. And Good morning, Mary Lee. On this line, um, I am like you, also multiply blessed, and you really answered my first question, and then the second question you answered too. I was going to ask about radical gratitude and. Um, you you nailed that one, and I really want to thank you for for talking about when people in your life they uh, letting go of what doesn't work, and um, mm -hmm. I just um, I appreciate the discipline. Um, that's been an important part of my practice, and. So thank you. Thank you for being here. And I was sad that I didn't get to L.A. and hear the speakers, and you just brought it to me. So thank you for the joy of the morning. Thank you. Thanks, Mary Lee. And Marie M., star one. There you are. Yeah, right on, right on here. Good morning, Mia. Thank you so much for your service. And Patrick, I really appreciate your talk. Um, I have a couple of questions. I, I think you basically answered them, one of them anyway. But um, on page 85, um, it says here, we are neither coffee nor afraid. And, and I, too, um, are a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, it's been easy, very easy for me to get coffee. Um, uh, and my question is, um, have you experienced that um, getting, getting coffee and the other question is, in the big book on page 85 also, it's easy to let up on a spiritual program. Um, 
have you led us on your spiritual program um, of action and rest on your world? Have you gotten away and how did you get back into um, your uh, discipline of staying connected? Uh, basically, how I mean, you explained just recently how yeah. you do stay connected, but that's my question. I, Thank I, you. Yeah, no, it, it, I have a recent experience. You know, I did do a lot of traveling in, in November and December and it seems, you know, it's my routine and my discipline is very easy to keep when I'm at home. But get me on the road, get me in a hotel room, give me a distraction, right? Give me a, um, give me my family around me, give me, um, you know, um, something that appears to be, you know, appears to my selfishness and my self-centeredness to be more important. Um, like, you know, um, breakfast <laughs> or, or, you know, whatever. Uh, it, it's 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 I had a couple of days in, um, in when I was in Omaha over Thanksgiving where I I came to my um, inventory practice in the evening which is just you know jotting down a few things quickly it's not a significant amount of time it's usually 10 or 15 minutes where I realized you know I didn't meditate this morning or I didn't pray so I what I do typically is is for me, accountability is critical. I got to be accountable to someone on a daily basis. I am an utter, you know, if, if, if I stopped being accountable on a daily basis, I would propose to you that inside of two weeks, I would be openly condemning the idea of prayer and meditation in my life. I would be. I just, that's, that's how vicious my internal spiritual battle can be. The, the thing that I never do, that, that I, I shouldn't say never, the thing that I do much more rarely now is underestimate the power of my illness. One of the things that ha that happened to me at that gravesite amend that I did with my father is I, I I I had two implicit beliefs in my life, and the and 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 I and I implicitly trust two things. I implicitly trust alcoholism, compulsive overeating, the spiritual malady. Call it what you want. I implicitly trust its ability to kill me, without a doubt, okay? I implicitly trust it. it has one function, that is to bring me to a miserable end, and it's to harm as many people with that miserable end as it possibly can on the way out, right? I implicitly trust that. And then I implicitly trust the God of my understanding to free me from that condition. And so... Yes, I have. I have. I gotten away from it. Yes, but but the accountability, you know, if if I report that to someone the day after, right, and then and then they'll say, okay, well, here's what I want you to do. And so what happened to me when that happened in in uh, Omaha was my sponsor um, asked me to text them immediately after my practice for the next two weeks, right, just to make sure that I was back on on schedule that I was back you know, that I was implementing um, what, what I was doing. They didn't dictate to me what I should be doing. They just asked me to be accountable with what I was doing. And so for me, um, it, it, it's really about, about of course, we're going to get off the path. Um, I think it's, it's important to, to, to what are you, what are, you know, who are you willing to be accountable when, 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 you, when you become aware? And I also think, again, one of the things that's opened up for me is that getting off the path is a part of the path. It indicates that, you know, it's, it's, it, maybe it's, it's God nudging us and saying, hey, listen, you know, it, it, you're getting a little loose over here. We've we got to tighten a few things up. I don't, you know, 
I don't propose to know what anybody's God has in store for them, but I do know that me occasionally drifting off my level of discipline has indicated that, okay, further work needed to be done, some adjustment needs to be here, my belief needs to deepen, my willingness to ask for help needs to to deepen. But but typically, it, it it's for me, it's about the accountability. I'm just not a guy who naturally is, is capable of asking for help unless I'm driven by utter desperation and, and fear. Um, and, and so I need God's help to be willing every day to ask for help. I, I mean, and, and it's that simple prayer that I indicated in my previous question, you know, help me be willing to seek your will today. I, I got to be willing to be willing. So it's, I hope that was helpful. Very helpful. Thank you so much, Patrick. Thank You're you, welcome. Marie. Stacy T, star one to unmute. Good morning. This is Stacy T calling from Cleveland. Thank you so much, Patrick. You're um, welcome, Stacy. Said a lot of really valuable things for me. One of the questions that I wrote down <clears throat> is um, Have I been fully invested? in my willingness to believe in God. And while I do, so my question is, while I do have um, some morning practices that I do and that I try to do throughout the day um, to be in that investment, I have had an ongoing um, push-pull of feeling great clarity of um, willingness, and then I uh, can find myself getting into a place of amnesia and sure. self-centeredness. And yep. and one of my uh, one of my glaring defects is um, my all-or-nothing thinking, perfectionism. So, can you speak to the clarity of willingness that may dissipate throughout the day and what you do about that that um is has elements of compassion uh to set the course right again thank you sure you know it there's there's a there's a um it's this subject is near and dear to my heart because it speaks to the idea that we got to walk this thing out into the world it's it's you know I can come on a call like this. I can stand at a podium at an AA meeting or an O'Reilly's Anonymous convention, and and I can sound good. I can do that. I can put on a suit and I can I can shine my bald spot and I can look good to to everybody in the room. Um, but am I being good? Right? Am I am I really practicing these principles in all my affairs? And so it, there's a there's an instruction on the or there's a there's a passage on the bottom of page 15 and on the bottom of page 14 and 15 in Bill's story that informs how my spiritual life continues to enlarge. And it says, my friend has emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Particularly, it was imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. Faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trial low spots ahead. The truth is, is I can pray and meditate until the cows come home. I can be on my knees. I can, I can sit in, in prayerful meditation. I can go to church. I can do all of this. And if I'm not looking to be helpful to, the, to, to my fellow alcoholic or compulsive overeater or fellow man in, 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 in you know, 
in that sense, it ain't going to work. I am, I am going to be in my own will pretty quickly. Um, it says, if he did not work, he would surely drink again. And if he drank, he would surely die. And, and the way I see that today is, if he did not work, he would return to selfishness. Right? I will return to selfishness if I don't work at, at, at self-sacrifice for others. So for me, this, the way that my spiritual life continues to enlarge is being of service. And I don't mean just being of service doing something like this talk, although this is a wonderful aspect of what a guy like me gets to do. It's, it's beautiful in my life. I mean the, um, the willingness to really dig down to, you know, when's the last time I was at a, at a detox? I have, I have the ability to carry the message here of, of Overeaters Anonymous into a local um, eating disorder clinic that embraces 12-step. I have a, that's a very fortunate circumstance for me. Um, but I, I actively seek out people to, to sponsor when, you know, my sponsorship load in, in OA is two people. When it gets to one, I'm under clear instructions that I need to be looking for someone else. So perfecting and enlarging my spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others is key. The other thing is, is just, you know, sometimes the drift from the willingness and, and, and to be connected it's just an indicator of, of, of you know, wh where I am. Again, we're not going to achieve perfection here. It, it, the book, in, in step six, I, I just love what it's, there are, that page on step six and in, in, into action, I think is a critical page that we sort of drift by. So often you'll hear people say that in the big book, well, there's not much on step six, read the 12 and 12. Well, the 12 and 12 is, is Bill's experience at 15 years sober, which is great, by the way. I'm not in any way pejoratively indicating that, that we shouldn't use it. We should, but it is one man's experience, right? And so that the, the instruction on 76 where it says, if we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. What it is, is it you're clinging to? And just ask to be willing. For me, so much of what happens in recovery and how it expands and evolves and changes and continues to evolve is just asking for the willingness. I cannot manifest this. If I could manifest a spiritual life, I would have not, never been a member of Alcoholics Anonymous or a member of OA. God has to manifest it for me. My job, my, 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 my responsibility is, is to keep the gates open. And I have this toolkit, the 12 steps, that keeps the gates open. But if I could, if I could manifest change in my own life, I'm sorry, you'd have a different speaker this morning. Right. I mean, that's just the way it is. I'd be I'd be doing something else on Sunday morning. Not that I'm you know, I love doing this. I, don't get me wrong in any sense of the word. But but yeah, I think you, you get what I'm saying. So it's important to remember that God is ha has us on this path and that he will bring change to your life when he sees fit. If you're willing, your job, our job is to remain willing on this page 76. Just to, to wrap this up. Um, we, we have the seventh step prayer. You know, I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Many of my character defects have been useful to others because I'm willing to share what that looks like in my life. And then again, it says in Instructions for Amend, we attempt to sweep away the debris which is accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. 
right? So three times on this page, they are indicating us that we always turn to God, turn to God, turn to God, turn to God, turn to God to ask for the willingness. Whatever God looks like in your life, whatever name you apply to your higher power, spirit of the universe, realm of the spirit, whatever that looks like, we have to turn to that power in order to, for change to manifest. Um, I hope Thank that was helpful. You. you bet. You're welcome. Thanks. Thank you, Stacy T. Gladys F. Start one to unmute. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good morning. Um, I, I mean, I have to kind of read what I wanted to say next. Um, I just wanted to say that I, you know that I had been in OA for OA was like my first twelve-step program, but I always struggled with abstinence and. I got clean in two other programs after that for over 10 years. Last year, I recovered working with the vision sponsor, but relapsed. But I was, like, really emotional over your sharing because a lot of our similarities. But as to uh, my relationship uh, to the God of my understanding, it's hard for me to separate that from the from the. Uh, the religious organization, and so basically, what my my question is: if the first thing that the program say we should do is get abstinence, what did you mean when you said uh, starting where wherever we at? Well, I it, it, it I think you know I have two experiences with this. For me, in Alcoholics Anonymous. It was, I was dying of alcoholism, so I, I was literally drinking myself to death. So actually stopping that practice of drinking was, was obvious, right? That, 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 that was, and, and I needed to be separated from alcohol, like Bill writes in his story. Um, I needed to, to achieve that in order to, to make any progress. With Overeaters Anonymous, and, and here's what I got tripped up on, is I thought I could use the steps to manage my eating. And I couldn't manage my eating until I put my eating in the hands of another and was willing to take direction on that. Because I have to eat. There is a difference between the fellowships. And for us that are in multiple fellowships, I believe that this is this can be a very interesting way that the disease trips us up. It's been my experience that I had to be willing to understand that I needed the help of experienced OA members in order to not overeat. Right, and so I had to be a committed member of two fellowships. Now, as as per your 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 belief systems, what's happened for me is I still have um, my baseline faith in in a, in in a power greater than myself is connected to what I was taught in my religious um, in my religious practice early on in my life. I have taken the things that that are effective for me, the things that work for me, and I have just simply set aside those that aren't. Um, it, 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 again, God does not make too hard terms with those who honestly seek him. My job is to take direction. My job is to have a food plan and be abstinent so that I can have an experience with the steps, a complete experience. My job is to ask for the willingness to be patient. Um, this is not an overnight matter. Um, you know, the, the book says this has to be a lifetime practice. I, I can't compare myself to others 
in recovery. I can't compare my my abstinence and recovery to other people's. I have to have my own experience with it. Um, I, I think it's really, uh, I was getting tripped up early on in a way by saying, well, you know, XYZ is, um, is losing more weight than I am. Um, each body is different. Each, each situation is different. So abstinence is key to having the experience with God. Um, and, and I needed help with that, obviously. I needed someone for me OA how was was for me, just for me. I'm not, you know, I, I'm saying that that was the way that was effective. I needed very specific, rigid help, not rigid, but disciplined help around what to put in my mouth when, right? And, and it had to be out of my hands because obviously that was part of the issue. So I understand your question completely. It was, it was, it's, it's, it can still sort of return on me too. Um, but what I've done is, is I've taken the, the aspects of my religious belief system that, that are effective and I've maintained those in my belief in my current, you know, higher power. And, and I've also allowed that to change and evolve on a daily basis. You know, the higher power I have today is not the, the one that I walked into the, to the rooms of OA with. I had a belief in a higher power when I was in AA and it's changed. And, and I've, you know, that, that, that's, I think, it's it's really boils down to me about willingness. Am I willing to continue to have an experience that might not be comfortable, that might be a little bit hard, that might be um, something I didn't expect or didn't want? You know, how much of my of my recovery is connected to what I think I need or what I think I want? Because what I think I need or what I think I want is why I'm here, right? I, I we have to. I, I, the, the critical factor for me is this open-mindedness and the willingness to seek God's will, not mine. Um, so I, I hope that was helpful, Gladys. I, I, I can certainly identify with, with, with some of that. You're, you know, the good news is, is you're engaged in the, in the, in the, in the struggle. Um, and, and that's all that this is about is as long as we're willing, we're, we're good. So I hope that was helpful. Yes. Yes, it was. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Gladys. We can take two or three more questions. Who else has a question? Madam. Madam. Matt. Linda D. Linda D. Carmela G. And Carmela G. Got it. Thank you, Madam. Go right ahead. Everybody else, star one to unmute so we don't have an echo, please. Thank you, Leah. This is Matt M., compulsive overeater. Uh, thank you for your share, Patrick. How did you deal with the stress in the beginning and deal with the everyday stress and not want to eat over it? How do you deal with those everyday stressors? Thank you. You know, it's, it's again, it's, it was the accountability. Um, what the, 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 I, I have, um, the only experience I really have in a way is with, with OA How, and, and part of How is, is we make three phone calls a day. Um, and so that was really important for me um, because I, I was stressed. I, you know, the, the, the way I dealt with the everyday stressors was I made those calls. Um, and I reported that I was, you know, I was, I was accountable, that, that I was struggling. Um, and ongoing, that, that is a critical part of my recovery. That's just something that works for me, um, a touchstone to a fellow member of recovery. And I also find that just, you know, making a call to somebody in general, I mean, if you have a, a trusted friend that you can bounce stuff off of, um, 
just acknowledging, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit freaked out right now. Uh, it's is, is very helpful for me. Then the other piece of that too is is part of my meditative practice is a, a very specific um, breathing exercise. Um, it's it's a, I, I actually do it before I meditate. Um, and and breath, it's it's a physiological fact that um, I can be nowhere but in the present moment after three deep cleansing breaths. It's there's something about the way the the brain and the body connect that I can be no nowhere but in the present. And typically, stress for me is caused by some prediction of the future that is inaccurate or some re-experiencing of a past that that uh, is no longer um, you know it's just the past is the past. Um, most most of the stress I, I, I have these days is, is definitely self-imposed. It's always connected to something, um, some selfish idea that things should be different than, than they are. I happen to be a social worker in my professional life, so I deal with systems. Um, I work with people that are, that are in very serious, difficult situations. Um, and so I have an opportunity to run around all day and say, well, this should be different, this should be different, this should be different, and easily get stressed out if I choose to. Um, but what I, what, 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 what's, what's happened much more since my entry into OA and, 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 and this approach that I have um, is, is that I am much more likely to say, what can I do in this moment to, to um, be a better person, to, to be more helpful to someone else, um, and, and for me, the, the big book, over and over and over and over and over and over and over, points us towards the service of others when we struggle with anything. It is the panacea. It is the thing. Um, it is consistently that which has saved my behind. My path through Alcoholics Anonymous was far from perfect, but I, I did consistently stay engaged in the service of new people, of alcoholics. I sponsored many, 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 many men. And I believe that that saved my behind from picking up a drink. Yes, I, I was compulsively overeating. And, and I don't describe my path in, in, um, in, in AA as being recovered, but I was abstinent from drinking. I was physically sober. I was somewhat spiritually connected. I wasn't fully recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body because there was still a compulsion that was occurring. Um, but my willingness to continue to help other people, I believe, is what carried me. It is the thing that in, in my life in the worst of times and in the best of times has consistently carried me through, um, is, is, is a willingness to look to another. As a matter of fact, after this call concludes, I'm going to go meet with one of my AA guys and, 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 and walk him through step seven. So um, it's, it's just, it's the thing that for forever in a day has allowed me to, to make some sense of the world. I hope that's helpful, Matt. Thank you, it is. Thank you, Matt. Linda D, your turn, star one to unmute. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Patrick. That was sensational. Absolutely. I sat at my, I'm Linda D. from Connecticut. I'm a covered uh, alcoholic and um, also overeater. And uh, that's a miracle. Uh, we know that for sure. Um, 
I'm sitting at my kitchen table, and you're talking about your dad, and um, tears filled my eyes. I had the same type of experience, something I thought I could never, ever, ever get over. And I have. And um, I guess so much, I don't so much have a question, perhaps I'm supposed to, but just to thank you, brother. Thank you. You're welcome. What you say, you're very, thank you. Because what you're saying is from your heart. It's simple. It cost a lot to make it simple. I know that because living it, walking it, minute by minute, is fantastic, difficult, sometimes grotesque, but God's there. And that's a lot mm-hmm. for me to say. Because I was an atheist. I didn't want to be, but I was when I started out. And it's 35 years later in AA and uh, four and a half, and OA, and four and a half years of um, recovered in um, uh, OA. And, and it's incredible. And I'm growing because I have to change yet another way that I've come up with to be self-destructive. Because that's really, for me, what it comes down to, being self-destructive. And, of course, there's collateral damage to other people. And the steps are the only way out. And you're living it and you're showing it in in the heartfelt way you share. And I thank you, dear, so very much. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Linda D. Carmela G. Your turn, star one to unmute. Thank you. Thank you, Leah, and thank you, Patrick, so much. Um, My name is Carmela G., and I am from New York, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And, Patrick, as you spoke, I visualized you standing at the podium in New Jersey, and I was very grateful that I had met you once before so that I could see the person that was sharing his, his strengths. Um, and his hope with so many of us on the line. Um, and this is a like a twofold. First, it's a gratitude because uh, at noon today, I will be going up on the Upper East Side to do a face-to-face meeting on step two. And I prepared a few little notes, and um, it was just such a wonderful thing to see that everything I prepared you covered this morning, and for that, that was reassurance to me that I was on the right track. But most importantly is listening to you today um, made me have a realization that I can't believe I never realized until I heard your experience. I always believed in God. I never doubted that there was a power greater than Carmela. But I had a very difficult time surrendering and um, giving up control. But listening to you made me realize that when I take control again and when I slip back into that control mode, I'm denying the existence of a power greater than myself. Mm -hmm. And you brought that to the forefront of my brain. And it's like the clarity was so beautiful, and for that I thank you. And and my next, um, the little bit of a question is, um, I when I work with my sponsees, 
I asked them, since I always believed in a God, and it was asked of me when I worked the steps, I asked them to describe the God of their choice, the current God. What was the God of your past, and what is the difference in the God of now? And um, when you're working the program, and some of my sponsees take offense with this. So I'm asking you uh, for your direction on this and and um, what you think. Uh, should I move away from this question? Should I continue with this question? And as a sponsor for um, people and a recovered uh, alcoholic and overeater, uh, I would appreciate that. Thank you so much. Sure. I think... This has evolved over time for me, and it is, you know, I mean, sponsoring people is a is an immense responsibility in, in AA or OA, and and uh, you know, we I think we all get better at it as we move through it, and um, it evolves and changes like any other spiritual aspect of what we do things. But the question I ask is is what are you currently willing to believe in that will allow you to move through this work? Um, I don't get hung up on the past too much. I mean, my past beliefs were were the religious things that I were taught. Um, and, and, and that was, you know, that there's this punishing God that if you do X, Y, Z, you're a sinner and you're going to go straight to hell. And, and that was reinforced, you know, in my home. And then it was reinforced in school by nuns that were just bad classroom managers. They had 35 kids in the class and I was a knucklehead. Um, and, and I created a lot of stress for them. So they'd end up drilling me somehow. And, and then I, you know, I took offense to that. So, um, for me, the, 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 the question with, with sponsees is, is, you know, a, and, and again, it's, you know, hard, hard conversations are a part of this deal. I, I was very fortunate to, to have encountered men in my life at the beginning of my my walk in this 12-step path, who would look me straight in the eye and say, how's that working for you, right? How's what you've been doing working for you? They would ask me really hard questions. You know, when I'd say there is no God, I, I would, they would look at me and say, oh, Patrick, there is, but you ain't it, and that's the problem. Um, now, I'm not saying bark at your sponsees. <laughs> What I'm saying is, is don't 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 avoid confrontation. Don't avoid um, potential conflict. We're not there necessarily to be friends. My my sponsor used to tell me, I just assume piss you off is put you in the ground. Um, so it, it it it's it's fodder for discussion. The truth is, is that if they can't come to some understanding of a God uh, more personal to them, they're not going to recover. The book's very clear about that. Um, so. You know, and, and here's the other thing that, that, that has always been an effective thing for me. I would, you know, when, when, when we get to this question and, and the book is asking us to entertain some ideas that aren't necessarily comfortable or, or that we don't have a belief in, I, I look at people and ask them what food's asking them to do. You know, what's food currently asking you to do? How is food currently asking them to live? What's whiskey doing to you? You know, I mean, in the AA, I'll, I'll ask, what's whiskey asking you to do? Because, you know, entertaining the idea of a power greater than yourself, I think, is slightly more comfortable than what food was doing to me. Food was killing me. And sometimes people have to have 
a deeper experience. You know, I'm currently working with a man who's got a pretty significant piece of recovery and is on a different spiritual path, but it's taken 15 years um, for him to in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out um, for him to get there. So it's, it's not, you know, their recovery is not our, the outcome of their recovery is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to be present with the set of instructions that's very clearly laid out in the first 164 pages of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and to have time available and to share our experience. You know, the way they, they interpret that is, is really not, for me, I can't manage the answers. For them, uh, what I can do is, is share my experience, and and I can occasionally ask really hard questions of people, like you know, how's what you've been doing working for you? You might want to move off this spot um, in order to keep to keep moving. Um, I see that as part of, you know, part part. I, I keep going back to this, but in in working with others, it's, it says perhaps you have disturbed them on the subject of alcohol. Right? These aren't easy conversations but I'm not there to be liked. I'm not there to be anybody's buddy. I'm there to help them find a God of their understanding. And they've got to do the legwork on that because, you know, I am there with my book having found a God of my understanding. It's effective for me. And and one of the things that I try to, and I'll, I'll sort of wrap it up with this, <clears throat> you can't deny God to me. The evidence of my life speaks to it, right? I held my three-month-old grandniece in my arms for hours over Christmas. You can't deny that. I'm a guy who's supposed to be, you know, dying at 400 pounds. I'm a guy who is supposed to be choosing pizza over being able to get out of the house, get on an airplane with no extender on, and, and get to that party in L.A. that I got to get to. Um, you can't deny the presence of God in my life because it's effective. And, and so that's, in, in sort of to wrap it up, I... I I ask them to look me in the eye and to deny the presence of God in my life. And if they can sufficiently do that, then they're not done yet. They're just not done yet, and there's nothing we can do. Sometimes we have to know that the disease, you know, the disease wins. The disease wins occasionally. It just does. So I hope that was helpful. Thank you. It was. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carmela G., for the question. Patrick, I certainly want to respect your morning schedule would you like to take two or three more questions, or should we wrap I can it take, up? I can take a couple more. I need to wrap up at 9.15. Okay, let's so. do that. Let's do that. Okay, two more. Star one to unmute. Star one to unmute if you have any a question for Patrick. Uh, hello, this is Vinny T. Vinny T. Okay, one moment. Anyone else? Okay, Vinny, you're the lucky one. Go right ahead with your question, please. Oh, thank you very much, and thank you, Patrick, for uh, having this, uh, I don't know what to call it, uh, Sunday talk. Um, I am uh, was brought up as an agnostic, and I've come to be... Um, uh, actually, I grew up as an atheist and has come to be an agnostic, and I'm working on on discovering my higher power. Um, and I, I think I'm on a great path. Uh, my problem now is is um, that I I I I'm struggling with God's will be done. I, I don't 
see my, my higher power as having, you know, a will for each of us individually. And I think maybe I'm just being too precise, you know, that, that, you know, maybe I just have to open up to, you know, God's will for everything, you know, the universe, whatever, I don't know. Um, so that's my question. How do I deal with that? Well, I, I again, it's the word that comes to mind when you were formulating the question is patience. Mm-hmm. Just keep keep doing the work. And, you know, I, I have a friend, um, Peter M. in AA, and, and I would recommend his talks to anybody that's in recovery. It's if you if you go to you know, speaker sites or whatever. And Peter M, um, he talks about, about this thing. And my job is to do the work, to continue to be diligent about the, the work and the steps and clearing the path. And at some point, my higher power will show up. It took for me that, that solid, really deep, fundamental belief in God took for me, you know, almost 13 years of working at this. Um, it, it it was when I stood at my father's grave, I described it to you. That's when it set in. That's when it was undeniable in my life. That's when it was, you know, okay, th- you're here. You're with me. You are in this moment. You are, we are, you know, you, my father, and, you know, my father, God, and I are all in the same space. Um, and so it, be patient is what I would say. And and just the, the, the key factor to this, and again, this is done, this is stated over and over in our big book as well, is willingness and open-mindedness. You know, honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness are, are, are um, on page five, what is, uh, pen, uh, it's in the back of the book, let me find it here. Uh, spiritual experience is, is the appendix, but it, it, it wraps up. The only thing that can get in our way is, is you know, contempt prior to investigation. Um, just don't deny the existence of, of something. Be open-minded and, and understand that if you're abstinent and your life is improving today, something's working, right? And, and right. It's, it's, it's probably not you. I would say that that's just something that, you know, to, to not, I mean, it's easy to get into this idea of what is God and what's his will for me. I, you know, for me, his will is for me to do what I believe to be the right thing in, 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 in any given moment. And sometimes I make a mistake. And sometimes the right thing produces an outcome that I don't like, right? Um, that's, just, that's just life. Um, I, you know, discernment is something that I've worked with over the years. What is God's will for me? And, and I've broken it down to a couple of things. As a member of a 12-step fellowship, I have a clear directive in step 12 you know, if, if, if I'm willing to work all these steps, I got to carry the message. God's will for me, as best I can see, is to carry the message to those who still suffer. And if I do that, I get to live a life that has a lot of really open choices in it. Um, now, those choices needed to be guided by some sense, some sense of, of, of what my higher power would have me do. And my higher power would have me be loving, decent, kind, respectful, you know, all those things. And are there days when I am that? Yes. Are there days when I'm Honestly, a jackass? Yep, there are. And those are the pointers for me to say, okay, what do I need to work on? I need to write out this inventory. I need to make this amend. I need to get to that. But the God, you know, God works in my life the most when I'm willing to look at myself and go, oh, no, I really screwed that up. Who do I need to talk to 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 fill this in? 
and and then sometimes to accept that you know what maybe I've done a harm that I can't fix. Um, you know there are people in my life that I tried to do amends with who watched me get sober who I then put through hell again watching my health decline as a as a as an obese man who who just aren't willing to engage with me anymore just because Patrick they're not going to watch me die they've had to damn near watch me die twice. You know, and they're just not willing. And so I have to accept that piece as well. Um, but, I, I, you know, I think just patience and willingness are, are really critical factors in this walk to, to finding, you know, what, what, what is God's will for me. Um, I want God to be a, a, a vending machine. I want to jam my prayers in the slot and then get what I want out of the bottom, right? That's, that's, that was sort of my version of God when I first came to recovery is, is okay, here's some prayers, here's some meditation. Now give me, give me a new car, you know? I mean, that, that, was, that was sort of my version of it. And what I've, what I've experienced and what's real in my life today is, is that um, for me, um, God, God, God is, has a different timetable, but his will is usually revealed to me if I'm willing to help a few of his kids. So... I hope that was helpful. That's very helpful. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Vinny. Thanks to everybody who asked questions this morning. And Patrick, thank you for sharing your profound experience with all of us today. It's been truly a blessing to spend some time with you this morning. Leah, you have my deepest gratitude for the invitation. And um, and uh, just, uh, again, I I think this is just one of the the most amazing spiritual things um, that we have going in OA is, is a vision for you and this 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 uh, willingness for so many people to walk through the big book. It's just a beautiful experience for me, and you have my my gratitude. Thank you for the opportunity. Take care, everybody, and um, have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you so go much. Thank go you Vikings. Much. Yes. <laughs> Hold on, uh, we'll get your contact information in a moment. I want to say that today's share ID uh, for this morning's presentation, 10941. That's 10,941. Let's close from page 164 in a chapter entitled, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>